Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel and love and friendship and the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena and I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast and you loved it. Let's go. Well, uh, here we all are again. I'm still in my cave. <laughs> still killing the intros. Still great at, at starting podcasts a year um, in. Let's see. Let's see. What is, what's the song? What's the song here? Lying naked on the floor. There you go. You're in the Okay, thank you, Natalie and Brulia. Yeah, do you want to know what was about to come out of my mouth? Yes. N-A-K-E-D, you ain't got no alibi, you naked. (laughs) Very good, very good. Thank you. (laughs) So, if you didn't gather by that, the movie we're doing today is... Naked. Naked. Which I have to say, it's very fun that, like, everything that I've labeled, you know, naked notes. That's great. Naked edit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now you can uh, put that in a podcast feed. Yeah. And it's also on my work computer. <laughs> Perfect. Let's get into it. It's interesting. We never say plot summary together. We're never like plot, the plot summary. <laughs> yeah, because that's bad. Okay. Well, we meet Rob, Marlon Wayans, while he is being a cool substitute teacher. After class, the principal offers him a full-time teaching position, but he's not sure he's ready for that kind of commitment. Heavy-handed foreshadowing anyone? He jets from there to the airport, where he is late for a flight to Charleston for his wedding. Luckily, his very cool and prepared doctor fiancé, Megan, Regina Hall, already got them tickets for a later flight. Rob and Megan arrive in Charleston and meet up with Megan's disapproving father, played by the guy from the Allstate commercials. Did you recognize him as the guy from the Allstate commercials? Yeah, of course. Immediately. I was like, it's the Allstate guy. Yeah. Um, Okay. Her maid of honor, Vicky, Eliza Coop, and Rob's best man, Benny, whose name we didn't write down. Yeah, because he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. All right, cool, good stuff. Also, for some reason, Megan's dad has invited, as his plus one, his coworker and Megan's ex-boyfriend, Cody, played by Scott Foley. Very hot. Uh, well, I mean, he's said it's said that he's very hot, but I'm kind of like, okay. Oh, did Um, you not watch Scandal? No. Okay, Scott Foley is very hot in Scandal, so I okay. might be biased, but I'm very attracted little, to him. I don't know. He looks a little, like, wax figure to me. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten older. Maybe he's gotten some work done, but I'm very attracted to him. I don't know. Uh, it wasn't. He wasn't doing it for me. I actually think I wrote down, like, um, he is being portrayed as, like, the hot, successful uh, ex, but he just looks like the tall white ex, but that's fine. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that kind of thing, like, is he hot or is he tall and white? That's, yeah. that's what it was serving for me, but that's okay. Sure, that's fair. But yeah, I think I think if you'd watch Scandal, you'd feel differently. Okay, fair. I'm he's like to- a he's like a really hot sharpshooter, black ops army guy. Is there a scandal. A, a scandal that he's involved in? He he creates his own scandal. I mean, well, I guess we all create our own scandal. Don't we all? Okay, never mind. <laughs> we all the also, while we're just scandal. talking about these actors, I would like to say Eliza Coop was in Happy Endings, which I just finished watching on Netflix. So that was fun. It seems like there are a lot of actors who are in a lot of things in this movie. Like, I think that's what we're gathering here. Is like Except for Benny. Kind, kind of an all-star cast, with the exception of Benny, who was also cute. Yeah, Benny was, was great, did a great job. Yeah. 
Didn't have a lot to do. Could have had more, but it's fine. Took bro code a bit too far, in my humble opinion, but... Well, we'll get into it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let me continue the summary. Yep. Also, we find out that he went on one date with Vicky before he and Megan got together. Megan goes out with her friends for a bachelorette, and Rob goes out with Benny. Cut to Rob waking up naked in a broken elevator just as staff are getting the doors open. Turns out he's in a hotel, but it's not his hotel. And also it's right around the time he should be getting married and he is definitely not at the church. He runs out of the hotel and gets arrested for streaking. While in jail, he hears the church bells ringing and gets sucked back in time. All of a sudden, he's back to waking up naked in the elevator. And so the hour-long time loop begins. After figuring out what's going on, Rob sees this as a spiritual intervention giving him a second chance. Throughout many, many loops, he figures out a way to get clothes, get the programs Megan's father wanted, get the candles Megan wanted, get his vows rehearsed, etc. He also befriends some cops, a biker gang, and R&B singer Brian McKnight. Search is just a really big Brian McKnight fan. I mean, I get it. One, you're like a dream come... That's the song she started with. Yeah, very good. There are also some hiccups, such as Megan's father telling Rob he doesn't think Rob is ready to commit to marriage, and Rob finding out that he blacked out and went home with a sex worker the night before. Eventually, Rob figures out what happened the night before. Vicky, Megan's maid of honor, who seemed to hate Rob, secretly was jealous and into Rob this whole time? Question mark? She hired a sex worker to try to seduce Rob, but instead Rob brought the sex worker back to his room just to help him with his vows? Vicky, mad that her plan backfired, then dragged a passed out Rob to a hotel across town, stuck him in the elevator, and broke the elevator. As you do when you want to sabotage a wedding. Classic sabotage. Armed with this information and a lot of life lessons about marriage and commitment that he's learned along the way, Rob is finally fully ready to do this whole thing perfectly. He enlists the help of his cop and biker gang friends and makes it to the church, exposes Vicky, and wins Megan's dad's approval. Rob and Megan finally get married, breaking the loop. At the reception, as Brian McKnight sings, Rob tells Megan he accepted the teaching job, showing that he's all about that committed life now. One, you're like a dream come true. Two, just wanna be with you. Okay, so good. It's a good, it's a bop. I don't really get it, but it's a bop. I mean, it's a people like counting. Everyone likes to count, and also people love love. So there you have yeah, it. Yeah, but, but Brian might really tapping in there. But the steps aren't like action items. He's just like compliments, <laughs> right? He's like one. You're like a dream come true. Two, I just want to be with you. Three, I guess it's like the, the only one for me. How is it framed in the song? Is it framed as these are the reasons that I love you? It's, it's framed as the reasons. Four, repeat steps one through three. Those are not steps. Five, make you fall in love with me. Like, so four and five are steps. If I ever I believe my work is done, then I'll start back at one. That's what I'm saying. It's framed as, those. like, those are the steps. Let me, let me do a close reading here. <laughs> Okay. One, you're like a dream come true. Two, just want to be with you. Three, girl, it's plain to see you're the only one for me. And four, repeat steps one through three. Five, make you fall in love with me. Okay. So yeah, that's that's true. It is framed as steps. It's not framed as reasons. I guess it's just like um, you have to have all of these realizations when b- before what? you're like so, so he has to give himself these realizations he has to be like okay why do i want to be with this person why do i want to make this person fall in love with me i have to remember these things okay 
All right. I, I will give you that. It's it's not – it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Could we talk about the fact that he is only three years older than Marlon Wayans? What? Brian McKnight is only three years older than Marlon Wayans and two years older than Regina Hall. Okay. That's nuts. It's nuts. He looks very old. He looks – yeah. That's that's crazy. Or they just look really good. How old is everybody? I, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, but he definitely looks old. Like, how old do you think he is? I would say he's maybe late 50s, early 60s. He's 52. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he doesn't look that good. So Marlon Wayans is 49 and Regina Hall is 50. So they look great for their age. But like, they look really Marlon good. Wayans looks like a good late 40s guy. Regina Hall looks amazing. I mean, yeah, she looks incredible. I mean, it's nice that they were like, you know what? These people are a little on the older side, but we're still going to cast them as the romantic leads in this rom I mean, Regina Hall and Marlon Wayans are both gets, so. Totally. No, completely. Yeah. But it's just like cool that they were like, yeah, maybe we, maybe originally this was written for 20-somethings, but we got Regina Hall and Marlon Wayans, so we're going to do it. We should say we are doing Blast from the past. This is a remake of a Swedish comedy called Naken, like with an N instead of a D from mm-hmm. 2000. Um, I could not find a trailer anywhere, but uh, it just, I mean, the synopsis is just a man repeatedly wakes up nude in an elevator on his wedding day. So it has a 5.4 on IMDb, which uh, means it probably was reviewed better than this movie. I don't know what this movie is on IMDb, but it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. which it I has feel like a is, 0%? Yeah. That's, I feel like that's, that's a little, little unfair. Harsh. Yeah. Did I, it actually get reviewed? Because I feel like yeah. it's 0 per- Oh, so it got like widely panned? I don't know if it got widely panned. I don't know if it got like a lot of reviews, but it did get panned by the people who reviewed it. Because it only premiered on Netflix, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was unfair. I had seen that before I watched it, so I was prepared for the movie to be very very bad and it was fine like it was just a stupid comedy and we'll talk yeah. about the issues but like I mean it's fine I, I was definitely prepared for this movie to be a lot worse I found myself I mean we will get into it but I did definitely find myself enjoying certain parts it was it was fine it was definitely not a zero percent no it was fine some of the reviews include the AV club saying for many, Groundhog Day qualifies as a near-perfect comedy. Apparently, though, there are some highly motivated people out there who think it'd be a whole lot funnier if the guy got stuck The guy stuck in the endless time loop were constantly running around with his bare ass exposed and his hands covering his junk. He later added, let's place the blame where it squarely belongs on the moronic premise. Groundhog Day, but he's naked, question mark. Why? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but also, like, you could say that Whatever. about any movie premise? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That feels unfair. Groundhog. You could say that about Groundhog Day. You could be like, guy's stuck in time loop, but he's an asshole. Right. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> guy's stuck in time loop, but it's Groundhog Day. Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is it Groundhog Day? Yeah, exactly. Shut up, Mike D'Angelo of the AV Club. Yeah. So we already, we talked a little bit about the ages. I also want to say Loretta Devine, who plays uh, Rob's mom. Um, who I loved. Every time she was on screen, I was oh, like, I love this woman. I thought she was um, really good. <laughs> so I, I Googled her. She does share my birthday. Oh, my God. A Leo queen. We love yes. to see it. So no wonder I immediately was like, I like this lady. I feel I felt a kinship. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, she was really good. I liked her a yeah. lot. 
Anyway, Regina Hall and Marlon Wayans were also in Scary Movie and Scary Movie 2 together. Oh. So they're buds. Nice. Or at least colleagues. Uh, and then the only Easter egg I found was that the portrait at the back of the classroom in the first scene where he's teaching mm-hmm. is of H.G. Wells, author of The Time Machine, likely oh, a reference nice. to the time loop plot. We love an H.G. Wells reference. Yeah. Spoiler alert, coming soon. We're about to do a whole movie about H.G. Wells. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's all I got. This, okay. There wasn't a whole lot well, of... I mean, we had a good time with the Brian McKnight stuff, so that's okay. All right. I guess that brings us to... Magic Science Just just a a Dream. So here's where we talk about sort of the how-why mechanics of the time travel. This is definitely in the realm of magic, maybe even spiritual magic. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely is um, following the Groundhog Day um, model of like, we're just not really going to tell you why this is happening. And it's only going to be solved when the person reaches some like nebulous spiritual or moral um, high ground for themselves. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I thought the why here was... I mean, they said it in a way that made it seem super concrete, right? They're like, I don't know if this guy's ready for commitment, but I didn't buy that based on the way they wrote the character. Yeah, they were really like hammering it home a lot. They they kept being like, commitment, this dude's not good at it. But he's getting married. Yeah, although he was kind of a deadbeat. Yeah, but a deadbeat that she loved as he was. I don't know. I mean, again, we can talk about this more in the romance section, but I was yeah, sort of like, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if his crimes of like not attending a dance lesson were enough to warrant, to warrant being this. caught in an endless time loop. <laughs> right. Although he sees it as God giving him a second chance to get his wedding day right. So he sees I... it more as like a positive time loop sitch. Yeah, I don't think he sees it as quite as much of a curse as some of our other time loop um, participants do, although he does have like a depression phase for sure. Yeah. Um, But I think that he, there are, I just think he like had some things he needed to work on and that probably would have come up in therapy anyway. And like, this just gave him the chance to like do it without um, infringing on Regina Hall's time, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I did like I, – I clocked that there were magical sounds the first time they entered the chapel. Did you clock that? Oh, there, there was were. was like a magical sound effect. It was like no. – Yeah. I mean it definitely has like a magic, a magic vibe to it. And I did like – I liked the church bells element. The church bells sent him back. Yeah. That was kind of cool because it gave us like a, a bit of a line in the sand as to when it happens. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the fact that it was like – they said an hour. I'm saying it has to be like an hour and a half based on the fact that the first time she says he called Benny over an hour ago, and that's like at least 10 minutes into it. Oh, that's but a fair point. We'll say an hour. How do you feel about how did you feel about it being an hour as opposed to a whole day? This is the fastest loop we've ever gotten. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they gave us a lot of loops as as yes. we have established. We lots love of the, loops is better. Yeah. Um However, I would say that, like, the amount that he had to get done in the hour Mm -hmm. felt really insane to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, if they had given him, like, a couple of hours, I think we still could have had just as many loops and just the same sense of urgency without the, like, 
unbelievableness of it. Right. Yeah. 100%. Especially in the like last loop. It's not enough that he has to find clothes, get to the church, and then he has to also pick up programs. I mean, there's a few loops we see where it's clear he's not even trying to go to the church, right? When he's like learning right. his vows or maybe learning to dance. We don't actually see that on screen, but at the end, it sort of he implies that he done did. So. Yeah. But yeah, when he has to go to the church and he basically, especially in the beginning, he like beats up, <laughs> he has to continually beat up Cody for his suit and get the programs and get the ring. Like, it's just, uh, I just feel like we could have given him a smidge more time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, even even if you were able to execute all of those things in a perfect fashion because you had so many times to try executing it, I just don't believe that you could have gotten – just traffic-wise, it seems yeah. impossible to crisscross your way across town like that, you know? Well, yeah, he also had to – until he figured out how to not do it this way, I would say the good – Seems like the first like fifty loops, he was running straight into a pole so that an ambulance would pick him up so he could get to the church. Right. <laughs> Which cannot be the most efficient. It just it no. simply can't. No. Also, I kudos to him for after the first time you run into a pole and know how much that's gonna hurt, the fact that you could keep doing it. I mean, I guess if there are no he knows there's not gonna be any consequences. Like it's it's not- still painful. Like it's still like me if I was staring at a pole running into it, like I just still don't know if I could overcome my own physical sense of self-preservation to keep doing it. Well, I mean, it remains to be seen. If you end up in a time loop, your your sense of what pain is might change. Yes. Yeah, I will I will say as far as the how goes, he sometimes is injured, he's sometimes high at the end of the time loop. That all seems to go away as soon as he's back on the Yeah, there don't seem to be any floor. consequences. The whole thing just gets completely erased. Okay, mm-hmm. that was the other thing that I had an issue with is like all of the friends that he makes where in the last loop he's like, "Oh, these cops are like my good friends mm-hmm. and all of these bikers also and like all like all of these people who are like his good friends." I just don't feel like in that one hour for the last loop would he be mm-hmm. able to Right. 100%. Even if he knew exactly how to make that friend. I 100% agree, which I think leads us nicely into what, what have, have you done? Because here's where we talk about any sort of consistency, time loop holes, plot holes, time travel ethics. Uh, so what you just pointed out is, is a big inconsistency that we don't actually even see. And he also not only does he uh, in that last loop deal with the cops and the biker gang which you would think they would not be friends those two groups of people who want to help each other out um he also somehow at some point got brian mcknight to agree to come to his reception oh yeah that's right okay that's a that's a lot of people to get to help not only like be your friend but also help you in major ways yeah and also we don't actually in that last loop see him deal deal at all with the programs or the candles or the ring Right. Well, we see him deal with the ring later with her dad. Oh, with her dad. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually thought that was nice because he – it seems like, yes, he realized he didn't have time to get the ring and he goes and talks to her dad and gets her dead mom's wedding ring, which her dad just conveniently is carrying around. As, as one does. My biggest consistency thing was he has so many people's cell phone numbers memorized. Oh my God. I wrote that down too. (laughs) Like very good thing because if I had to call you, I would be like, I I have no idea. 973 question mark, question mark. 
I would say I have my mother's number memorized. Yeah, I have my mom and, so, and my dad, and that's it. I have my mom, like people I grew, like my mom, my aunt, my brother, Liam. In a pinch, maybe could give could do Christine because we've been friends since before since I had to dial it. You know, wow, <laughs> it's crazy. That's impressive. I have either so many friends, I have zero idea, and I call people I call on like. A weekly basis. Yeah, I have no idea what your phone number is. Yeah, no. I barely know your address. I still have to like ask you your address, even though I've been there a lot of time. People move a lot. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he has his. He has Benny's number memorized. He has his mom's, his uh, fiance Megan. He calls a lot of people, and he's very confident about that. Yeah, that was that was a little uh, that felt implausible to me for sure. Maybe it's just a generation thing, though. Like maybe we're not taking into account the fact that he's in his late forties. You know, that's fair. I, I didn't, I didn't pull that together. So could be. I don't know. Also, I guess back to the the one hour not being enough time thing. His mom, he meets his mom down in a bar. Right. Yeah, that was so weird. We see her singing when he calls Benny the first time and she's in the church every time he gets there. So are we supposed to believe that within that hour, she sings a bunch of hymns, goes somewhere else to go to a bar and then comes back to the church? Maybe. Okay. Here's how I would solve that is maybe like at the very end of the hour, if he doesn't appear in the church, she decides to go to a bar. So it's like maybe they had that conversation in the last 10 minutes of that hour loop. Mm. So, you know, because the in the other in the other loops, he will appear at the church and then she would still stay. So that that wouldn't happen. She wouldn't go to the bar. Gotcha. But in the version of reality, the multiple versions of reality where he doesn't appear at the church, she like goes to a bar in the last 10 minutes. Gotcha. That's okay. the only way to solve that. I'll buy that. Also, the vows thing was really weird. That he didn't know how to do vows when he was already planning on getting married? I mean, yeah, sure. Like, that's just more of like, a oh, look at this guy. So bad at romance. And also, it's so easy to say vows. Just be like, I love you. You've made my life better. I want to be with you for the rest of the life that I have. It's so easy. But I was more saying, then he does some weird performance art. That is just not explained. Yeah. I don't know why he decides to do it that way. The other thing is, this guy's an English teacher. Like, I don't know why he needs so much help, like, <laughs> figuring out how to write vows. Like, he should be able to mm-hmm. come up with something pretty easily if he's, you know, he seems like a pretty good English teacher. So what's the deal? He's never read a book. Hey, we learned in the first scene he's read two books. He's only read Lord of the Flies and Catcher in the Rye. Those are the only books he's ever read. I feel like there's something in Catcher in the Rye you could use. Probably. I did like the fact that he was like Holden Caulfield's a weenie. Or he didn't say Holden Caulfield's a weenie, but that's what I wrote down. like a white rich asshole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although I will say, I mean, I don't know where this would fit in, in the categories, but I was sort of like, why are you having them compare these two very different books. Like, what do you gain from comparing Lord of the Flies with Catcher in the Rye? It didn't feel like a very um, 
clear uh, lesson, to be honest. And also he said a bunch of like sort of inappropriate things to his students. A hundred percent. So wasn't wasn't crazy about that. But the students seemed to love him and the principal immediately offered him a job after that. So I guess he's doing something revolutionary. Yeah. At, he talked he talked about a student's virginity Ugh, in front of weird. the whole class. And then he called a, a female student sweetheart as she left. Did not like. Don't like. Again, probably a generational thing, you know, us kids are, are so sensitive about I mean, you talking yeah, about our sure. child's sex lives. <laughs> Other than that, I I felt like I what I appreciated about this movie is that it was just sort of like we understand what this movie is. Yeah, it was very silly. It was very silly. They were like, we know what the structure of the, the time loop movie is. We're adding this twist of him being naked and needing to deal with that in addition to his wedding i get the i get the criticism that like there he didn't need to be naked like he could have just been like a guy that got stuck in an elevator i guess no i think he needed to be naked like like, it was funny i don't know yeah i I think he needed to be naked i don't think he needed to be so hairless well that's not really (laughs) it's not a criticism of the movie but i'm just sort of like did they have to like wax his butt I mean, how do you know that's not just the way his butt is? You think he's just a naturally s- smooth man? Maybe he's a naturally smooth man, Paige. You don't know. <laughs> I just feel like in this want, day and age, you, you want a man with some a, body hair. I I don't think I don't think that that's what the people want. To be honest, well, the people are wrong in setting unrealistic beauty standards. Okay, well, maybe I like a hairless man. <laughs> Okay, but I'm just – you probably like a hairless man because of some deep-seated colonial racism. If if you say so. <laughs> I do say so. I really liked how comfortable Marlon Wayans seemed in his body. I thought that was kind of delightful. Like, he spent a lot of time just, like, being completely naked, and he was like, yeah, I know I look good. Yeah, I mean, he looked great, especially – for a man in his late forties, yeah, no, he looked he looked he great. I just really hot. He looked great. He seemed very comfortable in his body. It was a lot of like fun, sort of like there was there were some fun times, like when he was talking to Brian McKnight and he was just like fully naked, just hanging yeah. out with Brian McKnight. I was like, this yeah. is awesome. Uh, his interactions with the guy trying to take a picture of him were fun. Um, I did feel bad because he so he's running, he runs through this bridge day race a few times and in the last loop he like does a flip because apparently love makes you be able to flip and (laughs) he and then he's he like jumps into the last like leg of the race and quote-unquote wins the race and i'm like you just stole a victory from this man yeah has been training for this race also like do you have time for that i don't think you do no you know there's so many times where i was like guy get a move on we only have an hour let's go especially like one of the first loops when he sits down to talk to brian mcknight well yeah like the the first time he sees brian mcknight he's like oh my gosh it's brian mcknight and like goes over and talks to him i'm like dude you do not have time to go talk to brian mcknight (laughs) also just like i feel like the first thing he should have done in all time loops is get close like, once he figured out how to get clothes, that should have been – he should never have been naked more than, like, three minutes. I think once he figures out how to get that, like, black shirt, jeans outfit we see him in, that's yeah. what he does at first. Um, I'm surprised it took him so long to call his fiance. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just make that the first thing? Be like, something terrible has happened to me. 
Right. I'll get there as soon as I can. Yeah. Leave her, no, leave her to worry. Yeah, she seems very understanding, so. Yeah, she's like, oh, well, if you fell into an elevator, if you got stuck in an elevator, like, that's really not your fault. (laughs) Which it's not. Like, that that is a thing that could happen, and you could, like, not have your phone, and you would just, you would have been stuck in an elevator. Especially if she knew he was, like, going to go out and drink the night before. Yeah, and she did the same thing, to be fair. Which I have to say, maybe this was the way, the way it was back in the day, but I feel like now we don't do that i feel like bachelor yeah. and bachelor parties happen way before like definitely before the wedding which yeah I because think, nobody wants to look hungover on their wedding day exactly which i'm yes i think is a much smarter way to go the idea of going out getting super drunk probably like eating nachos at 3 a.m and then putting on a wedding dress oh that sounds awful can you imagine no i would never want to do that and then and you're gonna drink at your wedding so then you're like drinking heavily two nights in a row then you're supposed to have sex Oh, my God. That sounds terrible. The whole thing. No, thank you. Yeah. So just a PSA from us. Plan your bachelor bachelorette parties for well in advance of your wedding. Also, bachelor bachelorette parties have sort of spiraled out of control into being like weekend long events in most cases. Yeah. So I think that's also part of it. Right. Well, so have weddings. Well, that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so much partying. Let's party as many times as possible for as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe in that. Yeah. Also, the other thing that was a little unbelievable to me was the whole like, oh, we're not going to see each other until the moment we step into church. Like, come on. This is like a, a big wedding. They're obviously putting a lot of money into it. Like, where's the photographer? Usually they'd be doing like a bunch of pictures before the wedding, mm-hmm. first look, that whole thing. Even if you don't do first look, like you take pictures of the bride and groom getting ready. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And someone would have been like, where is the groom? We need to find the groom. That's highest priority here. Because there are there are a bunch of people who uh, I know who still like prefer not to see each other before the ceremony. So they mm-hmm. still do their pictures like after the after the ceremony before the reception. But even so, yeah, there's still always a photographer like taking the pictures of you moodily looking out the window as you get ready. Yeah, totally. And if Benny thinks that Rob went home with a prostitute the night before, you don't think he'd be, like, even more desperate to find him? Right? Yes. He would be like, this is my job as best man, is to find Rob and make sure he gets to his fucking wedding. Right. Because he says, he's like, I went to your room. You weren't there. And then he just, like, was like, okay, well, I guess we'll just go to the wedding. Oops. (laughs) Hope he shows up. Fingers crossed. No, you'd call like hospitals. You'd ask the lady who is in his room. Yeah. Wait, on. there was a whole person in his room. Would you be yeah. like, wait, what? Are, first of all, what are you doing here? Second of all, where's Rob? Third of all, did he sleep with you the night before his wedding? Right. Because also if I'm Benny, I don't care about bro code. If you slept with someone the night before your wedding, I, I and now you're not here and I have like a lot of time with the bride, I'm going to tell the bride. I mean, yeah, honestly, like that's because at that point, it's like you're endangering her, her well-being. And also your friend seems like they're really bad. Yeah. And Benny just stands up there. Like, I like how he doesn't even like take a seat. He doesn't. No, he's just like, I'm going to just chill up here. It's fine. Wait, something will happen. I'm not going to get involved. Yeah. Back to the vows. Did you notice that in the final iteration, she didn't even get to say her vows? Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. 
he insists on going first for some reason. Like, that's not romantic. Let her, like, let her speak. He's yeah. like, no, I have to say why I love you first. <laughs> and then she doesn't even get to do hers. Yeah, well, okay. The other thing that I thought was crazy was that um, she doesn't seem at all upset that her best friend has completely betrayed her and tried to sabotage yes. her whole wedding. A hundred percent. I was going to talk about this in fem- the feminism section, but yes. As soon as the Vicky thing was revealed, every like five seconds, I was like, wait, is she not? Is she okay? Is she still not upset? At the reception, I was At like, is she still not upset about her She's just like, yeah, best fine. friend, maid of honor, did this terrible thing, is a terrible person. And she's like, whatever. I have my man now, so it's fine. Her best friend, roommate, yeah, maid no, of honor. That would be that would be absolutely devastating. That would be like life-alteringly yeah. devastating to it find be- out. As bad as if my husband or fiance didn't show up for our wedding, I would be crying. Yes. That is just as devastating of a breakup. Absolutely. And again, as we've said before, like we don't we don't talk enough about friendship breakups and how traumatizing yes. they can be. Yes, we don't talk about friendship breakups enough, but even like the people who don't think that they're as big of a deal as romantic breakups, I think would still look at this and be like, she has no reaction? No reaction. Just <laughs> cool. Glad you didn't sleep with that lady. Let's go to the reception. I don't have to say vows. All right. Should we should we move on? Yeah. I think this all sort of ties us in nicely too. Does, Does their, their love, love stand, stand the test, test of, of time? So here's where we talk about romance, if we think it holds up. Okay. Do you mind if I rant? Yeah, please. For a second. Okay. So we can go into the specifics of like, yes, he's sort of a deadbeat. Lack of commitment is a substitute teacher. The In the beginning, I was also writing down like, he's late because he was playing the lotto. She's a doctor and he won't commit to being a full teacher. Why, what, seven years to ask her to marry him? Lady, you can do better. This is what he's wearing to his rehearsal dinner? Oh, no. But- then when the whole point of the movie seemed to be like, he needs to change to be good enough for her. And everyone around her was like, I don't know. You're a doctor. He's a substitute teacher. I reversed course because I'm like, because at the end, I, I sort of was like, it was one of those classics. Like, do I actually think he's changed that much for good from this? Maybe not. But more importantly, did she ever actually want him to change? Because he seems kind of immature, but it seems like she's fine with that. She says, you know, he supports her emotionally. He treats her well. We see no indication that he doesn't support her or treat her well. He doesn't seem to be taking the, the wedding itself super seriously. But I don't, I personally don't think that's an indicator about whether or not he takes marriage seriously. I'm not taking my wedding super seriously and I'm already married. Right. Um. He didn't actually do anything wrong. I mean, he, except for, you know, he should have rehearsed his vows. That that I will yeah, give the movie. Sure. He should have rehearsed his vows. And maybe he could have gone to dance lessons if his wife wanted him to go to dance lessons. But he didn't sleep with the, the sex worker. He, you know, he has never seemed to feel any sort of emasculation about the fact that she, he loves that she's a super, like a doctor. At the beginning, he's like, you're saving lives. I just, I'm a, I'm a simple teacher. I don't know. I think she was really happy in the relationship and it feels it felt really really sexist that we're supposed to believe she shouldn't have been. Like think, if yeah. 
the genders were reversed, if he was a doctor and she was a teacher, even a substitute teacher, and like emotionally supported him, would anyone have had a problem with that? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that it it speaks a lot to like the types of labor that we expect from different genders and relationships. Here's the thing. I think that you are right that like their relationship seems like something that they were both really happy with and it was a lot of like outside factors. But I don't think that it's bad that he like had this experience and sort of um I, it seemed to me that it was like more of a an internal thing that was happening with him. I mean, he was meeting all of these external standards of like getting all of the candles and the programs and the rings and all of that stuff. Like he was meeting all of those things, but ultimately like he ended up uh, kind of going through a change himself and taking more responsibility. So I don't think that like taking responsibility is necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think it like changed who he was on the inside. Cause like, I think that the things that she really seemed to like about him and where they're also where like their chemistry just between the two actors really sparkled was like the moments when he was being really funny and she was enjoying that. And like, just sort of the like romantic elements like that I thought really worked nicely and none of that was gone when he had just like taken a little more responsibility for stuff in his life I don't think he changed who he was is the thing and I like that about this movie that they weren't like he needs to change everything about himself he just like needed to grow up a little bit but my thing is yes he should have he should accept a full-time job but they seem to be equating that they seem to be equating the fact that he was not willing to commit to this job as like not willing to commit to being a husband, especially because her dad explicitly compares being a husband to a full-time job, which is right. so late stage capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like other than the fact that he doesn't have a permanent job, we don't see him, like I said, we see him not being super willing to go through a lot of the rigor- rigmarole of wedding stuff. But we have no indication from her that he's ever not been committed to her and their relationship. Yeah, I think that that's a really that's a really fair point. And I think that um, they were really equating like being married with being faithful and committed to each other, even though obviously these two people have been faithful and committed to each other for almost a decade. Yes. And and like I said, they compare it to being committed to your job. It's just... Right. Which is lame. And again, because her dad explicitly gives him this whole talking to you about how marriage is a full-time job, no nights off, no weekends. Also, like, I don't think that that, that sounds awful. Like, that sounds like a yeah. bad marriage. If it's like, yes, relationships can be work, but like, that sounds like a terrible drudgery of a marriage i don't know right plus i i don't know i feel like i take plenty of nights off and weekends off it's called like leaving my house without my partner (laughs) you know no nights off (laughs) you have to sit and stare at each other every single night nothing fun yeah it's a bleak view of marriage and it's uh, a bleak view of of having a job also Right, where it's like you have to you have to be fully committed to your job over everything else. Your job could also be fun, right? Like there's also there's your job could be fun or it could also not be your whole life. Like if you're making enough some people want to make enough money to live and mm-hmm. you know not push themselves to make a huge amount of money or do something that they're like super passionate about and they do right. their passions on a, at other times. 
And if Rob is able to live on a substitute teacher salary and, you know, his wife doesn't mind that she supports them financially, which she doesn't seem to, I'm also like, why does he even need to commit to the job? If I could work less days a week and and get paid, that'd be great. Why would I not want to do that? Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that. It's definitely a a bleak view of a lot of things. Yeah, it's it's late stage capitalism. <laughs> you got to earn it. You got to you got to earn everything through judge, drudgery and like the amount of hours you're willing to slave over something. Yep. That's all to say that I think they're I think they are going to be fine. Whether or not he's been changed by this experience for good, I think that their relationship is fine and has been fine and I think their love will stand the test of time because his fiance seems to love him for exactly who he is. Yep, I think that that's true. I think that maybe he will have a nicer like he will feel better about himself maybe. Maybe he'll have a little more like self-assurance and confidence, but uh in general I think their relationship didn't really need this experience to begin with. No. Maybe it didn't need this big wedding either is the thing. Like maybe this wedding oh. is actually not I don't know. Everyone seems sort of lukewarm about the wedding. And we hear from people that like this is what she wants, but we never actually hear that from her. It seems like she her seems dad sort of, of took over like, this. Yeah, she seems sort her of like sucks. nonchalant about it. Like the fact that she's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting in a little later than we were supposed to. It doesn't matter. It's fine. And like yeah. the wedding is a little delayed. She's like not in tears or anything. She's not like freaking out. No. She's just and I like, thought it yeah, was really nice. Fine. I thought it was really nice that at no point was she like, he left me. She's like, something must have happened. I know my relationship. I know the love between us. If he's not here, something's wrong. And I thought that was very nice. I like that. I thought it was great. Yeah. My relationship, I would feel the same way. If Liam didn't show up for our wedding, I mean, despite the fact we're already married, I would, I would also be like, something is wrong. Right. <laughs> there was a car accident. Right. I would be like, well... They're gone. <laughs> yeah, I will say I was the whole lottery ticket thing didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, it didn't really go anywhere. Well, in his vows, he says, if marriage is like playing the lottery, I'm in it to win it, which makes no sense. Right. Not yeah. <laughs> I'm in it to win it. But it's also the lottery, so there's nothing I can do. <laughs> it's completely luck. Yeah, I felt like they thought they were doing the whole thing, and then at the end she gives it to him, and he doesn't win, but he says he won because he's yeah, like, I didn't right. win the lottery, but I won. We, we didn't need it. It, was, no. it wasn't it was necessary. Okay. Cool. Shall we? <laughs> Ladies, Ladies, did, did we, we just time, time travel, travel back, back to the, the 1950s? 1950s? You know who else asked this question? Megan, did you catch that? Megan said, did I just step into a time warp and reemerge in the 1950s? Oh, yeah, you're right. I did not catch that. But yes, I do remember it now. Yeah. And to what we've been saying, like, yeah, she's like, I'm sorry. Who said he has to support me? I am fine. Right. Everything is fine. And she says he supports me every way except financially. And her dad's like, no, he's got to support you financially. And she's like, who who asked you? <laughs> yeah, her dad sucks. And then also at the end, I thought it was funny how this whole time they're like, marriage is a job. Jobs are a job. <laughs> Do job 
do your job. And then at the end, there's this whole thing where um, we didn't put this. I didn't put this in the summary because it is tertiary. But he finds out during one of the time loops that Cody, uh, the his dad's plus one, Megan's ex-boyfriend, is um, planning to somehow like buy enough shares to steal the company out from Megan's dad. Yeah. And um, he Rob reveals that. Uh, and Megan's dad like runs out to like make some calls and Megan's like oh my dad's not gonna stay for the ceremony and then he runs out to her dad and he's like this is a full time parenting is a job jobs are Get back parenting in there. Um, and it, it's like the moment that he wins over her dad and he he gives Rob uh, Megan's mother's ring but I was like but didn't we just I thought we liked jobs <laughs> So now we're like, you're doing too much job? Are we pro-job or anti-job? What are our priorities? Because you have jobs, marriage, and fatherhood, fatherhood lottery tickets. Like where we need to we need an, an order. So can someone write this down for us? But also, I I mean, and again, I'm not a huge wedding person, so maybe my opinion is biased. But the whole time I thought her dad sucked. But at the end, I was like, I don't know. It seems like his whole company is in jeopardy. That does seem important and like something he needs to take care of now. He's not like going to take a, a client call, you know? Yeah, although I don't know. It's You could wait until there's going to be – the reception's going to take, what, 20 minutes? Like how long is it really going to take? Sure. He could have waited 10 minutes, but he's committed. He's committed to his job. A job. <laughs> I just think – I I think he we're pro his commitment, so I don't. We're pro commitment to all things. You must be fully committed to everything you do, (laughs) but the same amount of commitment to all things. Yeah. Also, between her dad and Cody, I was like, I don't want either of you to have a company. So I mean, they both seem bad. The company is very. Also, I like that the company was just like the company, like very nebulous. We have no idea what the company does. Not you know, a single they buy indication. Up stocks. They sell some stocks. Yeah, it, clearly it's it's a big enough company that Cody can like buy a very fancy car. Also, let's talk about the fact that her dad invited her ex boyfriend as his plus one to her wedding. Yeah, what a dick. That's just a a real asshole move. And her dad was like so like the programs have to be right. I just feel like her dad wanted this wedding, but also didn't want her to marry this man. So it's very confusing. You're right. The whole thing, uh, his motivations are very suspect. I, I did like the part where uh, Marlon Wayans accuses the dad of being the one to like put him in the elevator and sabotage him. And he was yeah. like, I paid for this whole wedding. Why would I sabotage this? <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. Yeah. Oh, also curious. When did you know it was Vicky? Because I knew pretty early on. I, I guess that it was, but I didn't have like a distinct moment where I was like, oh, it's definitely her. I for a second was like, was it Cody? And then as soon as the first time he talks to Cody outside the church and it's clear like Cody is sort of whatever about this whole thing. I was like, oh, it was Vicky. I kind of thought I, I sort of wish that there was like another explanation. I wasn't like crazy about the Vicky plot line because I felt like it. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like it was a little thin. I mean, I I hated the Vicky plotline because it that was her whole character. Right. Was, was like, I'm jealous about a boy. I'm jealous about a boy who, like, I seem to hate and who I went on one date with and then told my roommate she could date. 
Right. Also, they've been together for seven years. Like, and you were at the point of like being her maid of honor. Like, are we really still mad? Also, he can't support you financially. So, I mean, what's yeah, this, the point? This man doesn't seem like that much of a catch, like yeah. in terms – just in terms of like the way that we describe catches in general. Yeah. Her whole character is, like I said, the crazy ex-girlfriend trope. She's a terrible friend. She doesn't even learn the sex worker's name. She calls her hooker. Right. She's just a yeah. really bad character for women. <laughs> Yeah, did not like. Also, she wears white to her friend's wedding, which I assume was approved because she was like the maid of honor. But I was kind of like, she's wearing white. What the hell? Actually, I think that was the moment I knew she was the villain was when she was wearing white. (laughs) Yeah. What if Megan had just been like, okay, I'm fine with the fact that you tried to like get my husband to sleep with a sex worker and dragged him naked across town. But how dare you wear white to my wedding? I mean, on on one level, I'm glad that they didn't lean into the like – they very easily could have done like a full-on cat fight situation yeah, at the I end of this so. movie. And I thought that's where it was leading when we found out it was Vicky. But um, I'm glad that they avoided that, although it was upsetting that like she had no reaction to her best friend completely sabotaging her. Very strange. But yes, I guess I'm glad that there was no real cat fight. And Vicky just left quietly. I just didn't buy there. I didn't buy the motivation, right? Like I felt like they could have done. She could have still done it and been like, because I didn't think he was good enough for you, and I didn't want you to marry him, or because she she could have been in love with Megan. I would have bought that she was in love with Megan. If she was in love with Megan, that would have been great. Yeah, no, there's no reason why she would be in love with Rob. And this is how she dealt with it. You know what I mean? Because what she's supposed to so okay, so Megan doesn't marry Rob, and then what does she think is going to happen? That she's now going to date Rob? She put him in an elevator, Nate. Maybe she just like wants them to suffer. I don't know. Maybe she's just the kind of person who wants people to suffer. Now, now that I thought about her motivation being that she's in love with Megan, I just think that would have been so much better. I mean, that would have been amazing. Let's be honest. That would have just been such a better motivation. Yeah, it would have made a lot more sense. Let's talk about how the real hero of this whole movie is the sex worker. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we can talk a little bit about the way that they portrayed this. Yes. Everyone else in the movie treats the sex worker. Yeah. So her name is Callie, I guess. We should we should learn her, call her by her name. Sure. But <laughs> to be fair to ourselves, they use that name very little in the movie. Yes. But she's the real hero. She meets him at in the last iteration. Uh, she meets him at the church with his tux. So that he can do all yeah, the other he things. Yeah, he calls her and because she's still in his room. So yes. he he convinces her to continue to help him. Right. Which is really smart. Right. And it's nice that she did it. I hope that someone's going to pay her extra for that. I hope so. I don't think they are. It seems but. like her she is way off the clock at that point. So Yes. Although, I mean, a little unrealistic. I feel like usually sex workers don't sleep over unless they're getting paid to do that. But... Although maybe she was like, well, this guy seems very nice and I don't feel like going home right now. Yeah. And she also then, when Rob says that Vicky tried to sabotage him and Vicky's like, you you don't have any proof, uh, Callie stands up and plays a voicemail from Vicky where Vicky's like, hey, hooker, yeah, remember to go seduce Which Rob. Which is the way that everyone makes business calls. <laughs> I always uh, refer to people as just their job title, no matter what kind of business they do. Hello, lawyer. 
Hello, doctor? <laughs> well, you know, sex workers aren't people. You don't have to learn their names. Yeah, that's fair. I, I thought, I mean, besides the fact that they kept calling her a hooker, she had more of a personality than, than Vicky did. That is true. And she was the hero, which is a good point. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like... um. I feel like this whole thing could have been solved by, like, one Rob line that was, like, sex work is work. Like, just throw yeah. that in and then, like, that's it. Yeah. How did you feel about the fact that the cops arrested Vicky for solicitation? Seemingly did not ar- arrest Callie, although, for all we know, it came back to arrest her later. It seems unrealistic to me that they would only yeah. arrest <laughs> the quote-unquote John. Yeah, I mean, they helped a black man. The whole, the whole, all the cops. The whole cop thing was very unrealistic. <laughs> and also, they were like, they arrested her for solicitation, but then were also like, Rob, do you want to press charges? And I was like, is it up to Rob to press charges for Vicky soliciting <laughs> sex work from? Also, the other thing is the sex worker didn't do anything. Like, there wasn't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the laws in South Carolina around prostitution off the top of my head. Fair. So uh, definitely Rob doesn't get to decide whether or not to press solicitation charges. That's not a crime that you need a complaining witness for. Maybe they meant if he wants to press charges like separately for assault. She for the whole thing where she uh, dragged his naked him. body across town yeah. and false imprisonment, kidnapping. Those feel like much worse things than yeah. paying a sex worker for work. Yeah, but she's a white lady, so. Yeah, and also um, we would much rather demonize sex work than. Right. That's, yes, than. Actually prosecute any real harm, harmful crimes. Trespassing, assault. My one question, which I realize I should have asked earlier, but how did he end up passed out? Did he just get really drunk or was there something that Vicky did? Unless I missed it, which I don't think I did, I think he just got super drunk. I mean, he didn't remember anything from the name. Well, that was it, so. that was a mistake on his part. He should not have not, you know, like maybe yes. don't do that the night before your wedding. Yeah, agreed. But also, okay, again, if you're Benny, why do you let him leave with the sex worker? I don't know. He's because he's a bad best man. He's the world's worst best man. <laughs> That's what this movie is really about: is the world's worst best man. Yeah, I mean, okay, night before my wedding. Do you let me leave the bar with a man that I just met? No. I would be like, Paige, you're very – first of all, I'd be like, Paige, you're too drunk to consent, so I'm not going to yeah. let you leave with anyone. And second of all, I'd be like, Paige, I don't I don't think that you actually want to do this. Let's go back home and talk about this because clearly something's happening here. Right. Like something's yeah. wrong. Yes. Even, even less so than Benny keeping his secret. I'm like – just don't let him do this. <laughs> then you don't have to keep the secret. Both their friends, both Benny and Vicky, are the worst friends. Yeah. No, their their friends are bad, for sure. They should leave them behind after the wedding. By the way, this movie definitely does not pass the Bechdel test. Oh, no. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the scene between him and his mom. Mm-hmm. Felt weird. It felt like a real dig at single parents. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was also like bizarre. Again, we talked about like the fact that she ends up in the bar at, somehow. Um right. and it felt like it was it was like why are we why are we portraying her as this like sad lady? Right. She has this she seems to have gone on tours and had this amazing career and at all the time seems like she was having a great 
time. It seems like she slept around and had a fun time. And now she's sad because she didn't get remarried. And Rob and Rob had a worse childhood because she didn't get remarried. Like, that's the part that to me, I was like, this is real pushing the nuclear family unit in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, Rob seems like a like a good person. Like he's been raised as like a he has a a good moral compass. He's he's kind to people. He's supportive. I don't know. I don't think she did a bad job. It's not traditional, but it's fine. Right. I just didn't I didn't like that he seemed to imply that his childhood would have been better if she had just picked any man and settled down. Ugh, you know? God. Yeah, the chances of that pretty unlikely statistically speaking. Right. It just again, it just sort of felt like a dig at all single parents. Yeah, I don't that love that. Rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I was I was like not sure about the bikers at first. I was like is there like a weird like homophobic thing happening? Cuz he was like wearing a frilly robe and then the biker mm-hmm. there was like a scene with the bikers. I don't mm-hmm. know. I wasn't sure how to feel about that scene. What did you think of that scene? I thought it was weird that they asked him to eat money. <laughs> I know it's not what you're talking about. But the whole scene, I felt like I I was like a little – like I had blacked out or something. I was like, what what am I watching right now? I took a lot of notes that were like, why did they tell him to eat the money? What is happening with this dance? Whose bike did he just destroy? What's up with his arm? Yeah, there was just – I just felt like they were packing everything into that scene, including like a little, like a little bit of light cross-dressing and then mm-hmm. also like – it was getting extremely close to like I'm gonna make you my bitch and right, like right. Uh, a little bit of like homophobic back and forth. I didn't love it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely played the fact that he put on this frilly robe to cover himself up. They definitely played that as a joke, right? They were like, "This is funny because he's in a frilly pink robe." Right. They also were like playing with the fact that like the bikers are extremely masculine and like mm-hmm. were menacing this person who was cross-dressing. So I right. was like, mm, yeah, I think this is bad. Yeah, seems bad. Yeah, sounds bad. I, I agree with you. And then, like I said, there's no way that biker gang would help lead the cops anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the biker gang historically uh, not not working well with cops. No. The last little exchange I want to point out in our feminism section is the first loop. Like I said, he uh, runs out of the hotel naked into this race. Is So it's like is he's streaking and he bumps in to a woman, like accidentally. Mm-hmm. But she is understandably upset that a naked man has just bumped into her. For sure. <laughs> and she goes up to the cops and she says, I'd like to report a pervert, which first of all, I don't think anyone would phrase it that way. No. But she says, I'd like to report a pervert. And one of the cops says, that's not a crime. Thank goodness. <laughs> Do not like. Why? Maybe you should take this woman's uh, actual um, concern seriously. No? Okay. Also, why would you say thank goodness? Are you admitting that you are a pervert? Yeah, he's saying Cop? I'm a pervert. <laughs> but hey, yeah. a lot of uh People of color starring in this movie. So points there. Villain is white. The villain is white. Actually, both of the villains are white if you consider Cody a villain. Which I I do. Yeah. I also – I consider her dad a villain, but I don't think the movie does, so. No, the movie is like, listen, this man has a lot of wisdom about jobs. (laughs) 
and and again, I like that we had two romantic leads that were um a little further on in years, even though they look mm-hmm. amazing. They look like amazing. they could be in their thirties. I think the thing about this movie is like the whole thing was just not that deep, so I didn't find a lot to like dig into. Yeah, no, I thought it was fun and silly, and like for what it was, I thought it was fine. I don't think it was trying to be Groundhog's Day. No, there I don't was think a so naked either. man. The man was naked. The naked thing. Also, nudity is funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was clearly like nudity is silly, right? Yeah. Or like super serious, right? You're either doing the Titanic. It's either super serious or super silly. Yeah, you're either doing the Titanic scene or you're doing a slapstick comedy. Right. Which is what they were doing. Yes. So we'll allow it. I think we're leading into. Is, is it the, the best, best of times, times or, or the worst, worst of times? times? Here's what we talk about our final thoughts. If you should watch it, in what context we rate it on our doomsday clock from noon to midnight. Noon being notoriously gouge your eyes out with a fork, throw it away. Midnight being like, don't do that. And instead, <laughs> watch this movie a bunch, gather all your friends, have a party, watch it. It's one of the greatest films of the love it. decade we're crazy love about it. it yeah i honestly i would give this one a i would give it an 830 yeah yeah it's you know it's a solid romantic comedy the people are nice to look at it does its job there's some good jokes in there it's not like a, a terrible train wreck when it comes to politics mm-hmm. um and i had a good time I would if you're if you're having a night with your gals and you want a fun romantic comedy to watch that has some time travel in it. This is a good one. Yeah. I'm going to go 7:45. I also silly, fun, flew through it. Yeah, I funny. I don't think it's trying to be Groundhog's Day, so I think reviewers need to like get their sticks out of their butts. Reviewers are like anything that does a time loop is trying to be Groundhog's Day and we don't need it. It's like, no, there are so yeah. many of these. Right. I also feel like people who are like Groundhog's Day is a perfect movie have not watched Groundhog's Day very recently. I think that's true. <laughs> Go back to our Groundhog's Day episode for more. But yeah, I thought it was fun. I, I'm deducting some points for the the Vicky of it all. Fair. And the like, I mean, it does a lot of hardcore capitalism promotion, but I think it's like, it's pretty easy to see through that. Um, So it's, which is fine. But the Vicky, the like, the crazy girlfriend who, or crazy ex-girlfriend who like does all this because of a guy she slept with one time and then her best friend doesn't seem to care. Like that whole thing was just at the end, just... Just took it down a notch for me because I'm like, mm-hmm. who, who are – that's not a character. This is not a person you you wrote. Uh, so, so yeah. So, I'm going to go 745. All right. Good stuff. And with that, we'll, we'll be, be back, back in, in no, no time, time at all. At all.